God. Follow shepherds, but follow more than anything. You ready? The good shepherd. Okay? So, turn to Psalm 23. I'm going to take you to a familiar passage that I love to speak, and it is Psalm 23. And... uh um, it, it's, it's timely as you jump into the year. TJ said, speak what you want to speak. I said, do you have a series you're in? Do you want me to share something? He goes, no, I want you to speak what you want to speak. So it's it just along the lines of leading. But I, I pray that as I share one of the most well-known portions of the Bible with you today. And you know, oftentimes, anybody want to take a guess at where we normally hear Psalm 23? Funerals. We hear this at funerals. There's, this is not a funeral, ladies and gentlemen, today, and this house is alive. How many know that it's alive in here? So you, 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 if you hang with me and are alive with me, give me about a half an hour, 25 minutes or so, and I'll break this down. I want to break this down. I want you to see it like you've never seen it before in one of the most well-known portions of, the, of Scripture in the Bible, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. He'll take something so familiar, but it'll, he'll make it fresh and cause it to come alive to you in a new way. We've heard it before. We may know it by memory. Um, but what I want you to do is as I read through it, I want you to slow down. And I want you to find that there's a lot more in these six small verses than you could have ever imagined. There, there's so much to learn and understand. And at some point, you know, uh, I, I'm going to encourage TJ maybe to even do a series on this psalm and just take it a passage at a time and break it down because it's, it's so rich. Um, I'm going to read it out loud, but I w- I'm going to focus on and come back around to the first eight words that are in the psalm. And during the reading, I want you to let God speak to you either as you see the passage or you've got it on your device or your Bible or your journal. I encourage you to do that. Everybody, I encourage you to do that. Journaling, bringing a journal or a a notebook to church changed my life Uh, because I I just started writing. It was a discipline I had started in in my life. And I would just write scriptures and things that popped out to me and I'd go back and ponder those throughout the week. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do. Because there's so much to unpack, we can't do it in a sermon. But I'm going to read it. I'm going to slow read through it. I want you to find things that pop out to you and say, I'm going to go back and check that out this week, okay? So Psalm 23, I'm going to read it in the NIV. It may sound a little different in different versions, but this version reads like this, okay? It's here. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, some versions are, I I shall not want, okay? Okay. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies And you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. I got to stay with family last night, and we watched some football. We watched some old family videos. We laughed. We cried. I cried. He had a video of my daughter when she was born. My oldest daughter, who's 30, lives in Dallas. And I'm like, 
I've never even seen this video. And I'm sitting in their house crying, and then they show our grandpa, and we're crying. And, and we go back to the football game, and the Niners win, and I can't stand the Niners. And they, I, and I live out there. I got a happy church this morning. Um, but, but you know what? It felt like they made me some turkey that they get at, at the Amish market and grilled it up last night. And, and I was crying again. It was so good. Last night, I read this today. You know what happened for me last night? I got to hang out with family. My cup was overflowing. That's how, hear that. That's how we apply the scripture to our life. Verse 6, your goodness and your love or your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, The deeper meaning of Psalm 23 may be more difficult for us than we realize simply because we're not shepherds. The Lord is my shepherd. Are are there any shepherds in here? Okay. Nobody's raising their hand. We're not shepherds. And most of us never even really have ever really seen a shepherd leading his flock uh, unless we have visited the Middle East where the context of this psalm comes alive. See, when I share scripture, I love to make sure that we understand context and we don't hear it at a funeral. We don't hear it in a sermon, but you understand there's a context there on why it is written. The Lord is my shepherd. David is the author and he was a spiritual giant. If you've been coming to church for any amount of time, you've heard stories about David. Maybe this is your first time to church and you're like, who's this David guy? I'm so glad. I got to tell you, if you're not understanding or knowing that or, or here for the first time, hey, church family, and I'm talking to you, you're the reason we come here every Sunday. We are waiting on you because that's what we do. We love watching how God comes alive in us. So you may not know who David is. And David was a spiritual giant in the Bible. And we can learn a lot from him because a lot of us can identify with him because David was far from perfect. Okay? Is anybody sitting by somebody who's far from perfect? Everybody should raise your hand. We say this around our church. In our church, we, we just there's no perfect people in our church. None of us. So we can learn a lot from David because he messed up a lot of things in his life, yet he was still referred to as a man after God's own heart, even though he was a massive, you know, mess up. He he was said, okay, this guy is a man after God's own heart. I love baseball. TJ loves baseball. We love the St. Louis Cardinals. And, and because I love baseball, I understand that when they talk about baseball players, they use a term called a five-tool player. So that means he's the player that's got all of the goods. I mean, he, he can hit for average. He's got power. He, his defense is good. He's fast. And his, his throwing arm is like a rocket. And they, they would call that a five-tool player. He's got, he's got the whole package. As we talk about David, the writer of Psalm 23, he would be considered a five-tool leader. He can do everything really well, and he had a lot of gifts and talents. He had the military genius of Alexander the Great. He was smart politically, and how many know we need more smart people in politics? (laughs) How many know that we need more smart people in politics, right? How many pray for your country and, and leaders on a regular basis? You need to. We all need to, right? He, he, David was smart politically. He had the musical talent of Beethoven and, and the literary skills of poetry like Shakespeare. 
And he had the hand-eye coordination of, of Steph Curry, if you like basketball, you know. Um, and he was, on top of all of that, he was a good-looking guy. He was handsome. Uh, but the real measure of David's greatness came in his love and his obsession with God. So he had all of these gifts and talents, handsome, but really what he was known for is that he was obsessed and he loved God. Now, some of you, some of you ladies might be single in the house and you're just like, Lord, please send me somebody like David. Please send me somebody like David. D- despite all the talent and all the visibly external gifts, David had some rather serious moral flaws. Uh, yet he devoted his life to God, and he was in love with Yahweh God. And as he writes Psalm 23, how does he start it? The Lord is my shepherd. Hear how he says that. Now, David himself, why does he say that? We think that's just something that's written in passage. No, why, why does he say that? Because David was a shepherd. David himself was a shepherd, and he was known in the Old Testament as a shepherd king of Israel. So he knows exactly what he means when he's using the analogy, the Lord is my shepherd. Because he could have started this psalm with a variety of things that he identified with God as. The Lord is my commander-in-chief. The Lord is, is my wisdom. He could have said that. He could have started Psalm 23 with, the Lord is my defender. The Lord is my king. The Lord is my judge. I shall not want. I lack nothing. The Lord is creator. I shall not want. I lack nothing. But how does David choose to start his prayer? With something that he personally identifies with by being a shepherd. So now he, he's connected with God. And when let, let, let me give you an example. When Jesus starts the Lord's prayer in Matthew chapter 6, he tells us to pray like this. Our Father, somebody else, help me out, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in, as it is in heaven. He says, our Father. So here Jesus is also identifying in this prayer something that's significant because it's intimate. So to start Psalm 23, David chooses the most identifiable thing to him. And Jesus starts the model prayer by choosing the most identifiable thing to him. God, my father. David says, the the Lord is my shepherd, which becomes something intimate to them. That that he knows to emphasize the relationship that he has with God. So he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, I think that's awesome that God has a way to identify with us, with David, and he'll do the same with us. This is what I love about God. He'll identify with you. He'll he'll meet you right where you're at. So I can sit on the couch last night, and when I come to that portion of, of Scripture, all of a sudden, it hits my mind. My cup was overrunning last night because I got to be with family. God will speak to you in a very personal and in an omnipresent. That means he walks out of here with every one of us way in our lives. So he speaks to us. He teaches to us just like he did David. David out on a field, shepherding sheep. 
That's why he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Here he writes from that perspective. So that means he spoke to David by what he was doing in his everyday life. And you know what I hope happens tomorrow after you read Psalm 23? You're going along your day, and God identifies with you by what you're doing in your everyday life. Any carpenters in here? Any, any carpenters, house builders? The Lord is my firm foundation. Maybe you would start a psalm that way. Any admin or secretaries in here, raise your hand real high, okay? The Lord is my detail. Because we need admin people because they are detailed. Any firemen in here, okay? Anybody, a fireman in the house? You may know some, okay? He's pointing to the pastor. Yep, that's a fireman right there. To the fireman, he, he may start it, the Lord is like fire. To the policeman or the policewoman in here, the Lord, they, they may say the Lord is my protector. To the EMT, the Lord is my rescuer. Any teachers in the house? Anybody teaching here? Any level of school? The Lord is the answer. You may say that to the mechanic. Any mechanics, auto mechanics in here? Okay. We got some auto mechanics. The Lord is is my wheel and my hub. How about nurses or doctors? Any nurses or doctors in here? Okay. There's a nurse. The Lord is my healer. We've prayed for that already today. Any Uber drivers in here? Sorry, I forgot I wasn't in San Francisco. (laughs) This is Bedford, right? (laughs) Uber drivers drive tractors around here, Joe. An Uber driver would say the Lord is my direction. Musicians, all these musicians, he would say the Lord is my sweet sound. How about farmers? Any farmers in here? Okay, there's a lot of farmers, everybody raising their hand. The Lord is the harvest. Fishermen? Any fishermen in here? Okay. Everybody, we're part-time. How many think you're fishermen, okay? Some of you guys, you're like, yep, caught one about that far from the bank. Uh, The Lord is the captain of the ship. To all of you moms who are staying at home and probably working harder than anybody raising kids, the Lord is my nurturer. To the stay-at-home dads, because we have some of those. Um, the Lord is the priest of the home. Any plumbers in here? Okay. The Lord is refreshing water and also the buckler of our belt. Some of you are a little slow, but you're worth waiting on. (laughs) Any barbers or hairstylists? Okay. Before I say this, I'll go ahead. To the barber and the hairstylist, the Lord is exact because he knows the number of hairs on our head. Can can I say this? I had one of the best moments that I've had in eight years as a pastor. I'm in my courtyard, and there's people all over. We have a courtyard, not a lobby. Our lobby's not big enough. And my barber comes charging across the courtyard, and he's only been to church two times. But I witnessed to him. I ministered to him. The owner of the barber shop, and it's really nice. He's got like six locations, does very well. He's a good friend. 
But the barber that I go to, his name is Aaron. And I sit and talk to him about the Lord. He's got four kids. He's a young guy, owns his house in California. Successful dude. He comes firing across the courtyard last week, tears running down his face. Struggling, needed an answer in his marriage. Take him back to my office, talk to him between services, put my arm around him, and I said, son, can you come and sit with me? And I watched him cry all through service. He's only been to, to church two times in the last eight years. You know what the Lord just became to him? Exact and detailed. The Lord was speaking to him right where he was at. To the electrician, the Lord is my power. To the cook, the Lord is my baker and the bread of life. To the banker, he's my provision. To the writers in the house, the Lord is the word. To the psychologists and the counselors in the house looking for that, the Lord is the reason. But to every one of us as his kids, the Lord is our father in heaven. And to his sheep, because that's what we are, are the sheep of his pasture. The Lord, somebody help me out, is our shepherd. He's our shepherd. Now, so what does a shepherd do? Here's a point for you, okay? What does a shepherd do? A shepherd cares. God provides for us. He gives us shelter, the basic necessities. He heals wounds. He takes care of them when people are sick. So thank God that he's our shepherd. The Lord, uh, the shepherd, uh, when we see a shepherd, a shepherd is guiding his sheep. He's telling the sheep where to go. And traditionally, shepherds aren't behind the flock. Instead, they are typically out in front of the sheep. And shepherds have this follow-me leadership style. And I would say every one of us in here are shepherds. I know we have a pastor who's a shepherd that's been appointed to this flock. But every one of us are shepherds of our homes as well. And it's a follow-me mentality. Do as I do. Don't, don't do as I do. Do as, as Christ does in me and follow me as I follow Jesus. So every one of us are shepherds to our homes. So we're, we're to get out in front in faith. We're to get out in front when it comes to prayer and disciplines and humility and serving in our life. So what do shepherds do? Well, a shepherd protects. There are stories in the Bible of shepherds being instructed to make sure and guard and protect their flocks as a pastor. And I'm encouraged to know as a pastor the state of my flock just as TJ is. David says, this is what God does for me. All these things he guides he protects, he guards, he's my manager, he's my owner, he's my leader, he's the one that has the most influence in my life. He's got the greatest impact. The, the shepherd is a gateway to a full and abundant life. It's a door into a life that you can, you've imagined but you can't dream of because you're not close to the shepherd. And he wants to bless you to the fullest. He wants to give you a life of abundance. John 10, 7 through 14 talks about the shepherd and the sheep having a gateway and it reads like this. It says, therefore, Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who have come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep, they don't listen to them. Then he says it again. I'm the gate. And whoever enters through me will be, somebody help me out with that word, saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Now, this is a verse we're all familiar with. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, now you know the context of that verse. It says, but I've come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So the hired hand, he's not the shepherd. 
He does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, the hired hand, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and he scatters it. Ladies and gentlemen, when you got pastors, you got more than a hired hand. You got a shepherd. That's why I'm overwhelmed by your, your, your gratitude and your generosity and your show of praise to them. That come from the heart because you know you got more than a hired hand. He's appointed and assigned by God. So here, verse 13, it says, the man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for a sheep. But Jesus says, although I've got somebody representing me, he says this to all of us, I am the good shepherd and my sheep, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. My sheep know me. See, see in the New Testament, what it does, we just read the New Testament. It takes what David says in Psalm 23, and it builds on it. And throughout the New Testament, it makes it clear that, yep, I get to shepherd the flock, but I have to keep pointing people to the good shepherd, and the good shepherd is none other than Jesus. It's Jesus. So here's my second point. If Jesus is the shepherd, then we are his, everybody's like, you're a little reluctant. Yeah, that's right. That's my second point. If Jesus is a shepherd, then we are his sheep, right? Just look at somebody and go, <laughs> Some of you guys can't even do it. You're like, <laughs> embarrassed. How many somebody sitting by somebody new and that was the most awkward moment you had all day right there, huh? Have you ever seen these little surveys where they connect your personality to like this animal type? Huh? You guys ever seen those? It's so weird. You're like, oh, you're a rabbit. Huh? Or, or you're a penguin and you're docile. Or, or you're a, you're a, a wolf. Um, it's all kind of, you're a badger. You know, you've got this kind of mentality and personality. And it's interesting how, how people connect those kind of things to our personalities as, as people. And here Jesus is saying, we're sheep. And it's interesting how even when you look around, how people draw on the personalities of animals to try to depict who they are or get an identity from. God, you know, Jesus says that we're sheep. For instance, the United States, here's a picture, this next picture that I pop up here. The United States is represented by what? A bald eagle. That, that's a ferocious-looking bird right there. If you've ever seen one in the wild, they're majestic. And I'm like, man, I love that. That's our country. We're represented by, by this bird that is, you know, carnivorous bird, bird flies high. It's majestic. Here, here's London, or England is represented by a lion. Here's this next picture. And, and that's, that's what they're considered is a lion. Like, oh, okay. Great Britain's like, you know, they, they have a lion as, as their rep- animal representation. Russia, they're represented by the next picture. It's a bear, okay? All these symbols of strength ferocious animals you're like i get it that that, yeah absolutely because we want to be represented by something of strength you see it in college teams you got the texas longhorns the iowa hawkeyes and the georgia bulldogs and the michigan wolverines the florida gators the nc state wolf pack listen to all of those okay and and they're represented by by something like that hoosiers i don't know what an indiana hoosier is do we know what that is bunch of Hoosiers. I would put that in there, but I don't know what exactly that is. And here it is. I want to be one of those animals. I, I want to be one of those ferocious beasts. But David says, no, no, we're, we're like this next picture right here. That's Jesus said, 
That's us. Look at that. How about the next one? A lot of us walk around like this. Oh. That's how some of us walk around in faith. Oh. I'm trying to figure it out. He says we're what? Sheep. You are the sheep. Why couldn't he say lions? You're, you're the eagles. Of, you're the eagles in the kingdom of God. You're, no. He says we're sheep. Why? How are we like that? Why do we have to be like that? Tristan, you can take that down so I can get everybody's attention back. Here's why. You know why we're like that? Because we tend to wander. Everybody with me? Because we're flesh. We tend to wander. Scripture says we all like sheep have gone away. Each of us has turned his own way. We are weak and defenseless because most animals have been blessed with some kind of defense mechanism to protect themselves. The eagle has the beak, uh, claws, speed, a loud growl. Even a turtle has a protective shell. They either got size and strength and sharp teeth and snakes have venom and poison. But no, we are sheep. And what do we have? We got this little, and that, that just feels so wrong. Sheep can't run. They got small hooves. All they can say is bow. And we like to think of ourselves so self-sufficiently and think of ourselves as strong. Every one of us in here, you're like, I am strong. Yeah, we are strong, but our flesh is weak. And see, he's talking to us from the sense of our spirit man. And when it comes time to battle our spiritual enemy, he says, yeah, you may be physically strong, but God's looking for spiritual strength. He's looking for something to come out of us that that represents who he is. And left to ourselves, we wander, we're weak, we're defenseless. We're not, sheep aren't necessarily smart. You know, they release a Judas goat when they're herding sheep into a pen. They take sheep to shear or sheep to slaughter. They'll release it. What they call a Judas goat is what it's called. I don't know if you've heard this before. So they release it in the pen, and they'll put him in there for an hour, and this Judas goat will get in there, and they'll cozy up to all the sheep. He'll rub their heads, and he'll go around and kind of meet everybody and work his way through the pen. And then at some point, the Judas goat will go over to the entry of a gate that the shepherd will come over and open, and the Judas goat will walk up the ramp into another pen or a truck where these sheep are going to slaughter, and every one of those sheep will follow the deceiver right up the ramp to their death. See, sheep aren't that smart, and sometimes... We cozy up or we let the enemy come into our life or we'll find things or idols or we'll wander, we'll drift, we'll get weak, we'll get defensive. And then then we'll just kind of follow anything at that point. Knowing full well that God is on, should be on the throne of our life or we need him for everything. We all like sheep. We need a good shepherd to follow. And I, I guess as I'm just kind of getting ready to wrap this up, who's your shepherd? If Jesus is the good shepherd, the question of the day is, who's your shepherd? Who's shepherding the people around you? Who's shepherding your friends? Who's shepherding your family? The Bible says it's appointed and a man wants to die. And what happens is, it's like, oh, I'm good, but everybody else. No, they're sheep too. God loves those sheep as much as he loves the sheep in here. And there's an urgency that as the sheep are following a Judas goat around. Somebody's supposed to get in and say, no, 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 don't follow that. But God loves them. And, and who's your shepherd? Who's their shepherd? Who, who or what has the most influence in your life? Your husband? Yeah, he absolutely has the most influence in my life. 
Your wife, yeah, she's absolutely got the most influence in my life. Your, your kids, your boss, your pastor, Oprah, your checkbook, your girlfriend, your career, your TikTok, your Instagram. What has the most influence in your life? Oh, yeah, but definitely back to my husband, my wife. Wrong, wrong answer. Wrong answer. That, that is not the most influential person in my life. God is the most influential person in my life. And God makes me a better person of who I need to be as a husband for her and a father for my kids and a pastor for my people and a brother and a, a friend for my, my friends. See, that, that's the most influential people in my life. That's who I follow, the good shepherd. And finally, number three, the, the question is, are you certain today that he's your shepherd? Psalm 23 and 1, again, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Here's two really important words that I'll leave you with. Is my. The Lord is my shepherd. Um, the Lord is. Everybody say is. Not the Lord was my shepherd, because that would speak of my past. Not the Lord will be my shepherd. That would speak of something I'm going to do in the future. Not the Lord is. Not, not the Lord will be, but the Lord is. In other words, right now. Everybody say right now. He's my shepherd right now. So every one of us in here, low or high in the balcony, the Lord is my shepherd right now in this moment. Okay? Is my. Everybody say my. The Lord is my. Not the Lord is a shepherd. That suggests one among many. Not the Lord is the shepherd. Because then that would suggest a shepherd that's not very personal. Not the Lord is our shepherd, because that means I can only relate to him as our when I come into this place, and, and he's not personal. But the Lord is my. That means I have personal relationship with him. I'm able to spend time with him one-on-one. -on -one. He knows me, and he gets me. He knows who I am. He gets me. He knows when I failed. He knows that I get to come back to him. He knows that I need him more than anything else in my life. The last passage that I'll share with you is John 10 and 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they, what? Follow me. Listen. My sheep, listen. Do you listen to what God has to say through his word? My sheep know, have you established that personal relationship with God where you know him and do you consistently obey by following him? Because when you do, you have benefits. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I don't have to want for nothing. And then when it comes to the end, you know what I love? It says the good shepherd provides abundant life. And Psalm 23 and 6 Here's my last passage for you. It says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can we just give God a hand clap of praise? Because he will follow you. He'll follow you. Zaley, come here. You said these are here because your dad uses you all the time in illustrations. Come up here. Zaley, you are going to represent goodness and mercy. Okay? So when you walk out of here tomorrow, God will meet you right where you're at. Follow me. Don't lose me. God's going to meet you right where you're at on your job tomorrow. He's going to meet you at your school. And you're walking around. You're like, oh, okay. 
I'm just kind of starting my day off. You know, it's been a good day. A little cold outside, but it's been a good day. You're just kind of, you get there and you start hanging out with friends. And all of a sudden, you look back and, oh, goodness and mercy is still following me on Monday just like it was on Sunday. Oh, man, they just said that about me. My boss just jumped my case. You just had something happen that just ticks you off. And all of a sudden, you're now in the wrong spirit and needing to be in the right spirit. And when you want to do something you shouldn't do, all of a sudden you remembered yesterday that you learned about the good shepherd. And suddenly you turn around. Oh, goodness and mercy is still following me all the days of my life. then you get to Thursday and maybe you get some bad news. Maybe somebody in here had some bad news. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Tina and I just hosted a cousin last Sunday. They said, can we come and see you? And two weeks ago had a cousin really young and uh, um, his wife passed away. Some, a a young lady lost her mom and and they were grieving there. Can we come and see you? We hosted them and just took him to the Golden Gate Bridge, took him to the Redwoods. And in the process, he breaks down and he starts crying. And he's just like, I miss her so bad. And some of you, you've had moments like that. You feel like God is so far from you. And the only time you hear Psalm 23 is when you are in a funeral home, but it doesn't matter. Yep, your heart's grieving. But at the same time, he said, I'm I'm so lonely and I miss her so bad. It hurts so bad. He stops, he goes, But I'm so glad that God is still beside me and that goodness and mercy is still following me all the days of your life. You're struggling with a hard financial situation. You don't know if your marriage is going to survive. You're struggling on how to figure out how to parent your kids. You're trying to parent adult kids. You're just trying to make ends meet. You're trying to do what you can do to just make sure I am staying alive and, and I, I'm, I'm keeping up with just, just trying. It's overwhelming, Joe, and, and every day feels like a struggle. Hey, you keep looking back and knowing that goodness and mercy is following you. And I promise you, friends, God is going to bless your life and he is meant for you to live it to the fullest. Not at its worst, but to the fullest because, come on, goodness and mercy follows me how many days all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever if you believe that let's stand and give him a hand clap of praise thank you zaley bow your heads with me before tj comes lord i thank you for your word I thank you that we get to start the year by following. Maybe we're here and we've experienced some of those griefs. Maybe we're here and we've experienced or experiencing in our homes some of the struggles and trials. Friends, don't give up. Keep dwelling in the house of the Lord. Goodness and mercy follows you. The Lord is your shepherd. He'll identify with you. He'll speak to you every day. As simple as it was for him, for me to recognize that I got to spend time with family and that was godly. That was something God blessed me with. My cup overflows. He wants to do that for you. And I, I sense a lot of us in here know God, but do you truly 
Are you certain that he's your shepherd? Maybe some of us are far from God, and that's okay. We're all trying to figure it out, but God wants to speak to you as well. And you're like, hey, Joe, you you come from a long way, and I feel something I've maybe never felt before. I want to know this shepherd, this Jesus that you're talking about. How can I do that? He said, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you can be saved. And every one of us in here have done that at some point. We've said yes to Jesus. And nobody's looking around. Is anybody that's been far from God need to get close to God or anybody want to come to God for the first time and know the good shepherd? Just raise your hand. Say, you're talking to me. I want to do that today. Or I'm tired of just kind of playing games and going through motions. I need to get this thing right because I've wandered off. I'm weak. I'm defenseless. I need Jesus. Just put your hand up real quickly. Just let me see it real quick by an identified hand. I got you. I got you. Right on. Right on. Guys, hands across the building. Thank you, Lord, for those hands and those hearts that would be raised. Now, how many would say this? I need the good shepherd to be more active in my life. And I need to follow a little closer and understand the goodness that is behind me. That's right. That's right. Father, right now, I thank you for the hands that went up that want to know you. Let let them find Pastor TJ or somebody on the team and walk out what the next step looks like. Because I don't want to come in and hear a word or make the greatest decision of my life and not have my next step planned. God, you've got a next step for every one of us. For some today, it was salvation. For some, it's serving the house as this church grows and it's good news and light out here on the side of this busy highway, Lord. May it just stop people and realize there's something there. I I need to get connected with God again because I need some answers and I need some hope. So, Lord, if that's our next step, maybe finding some friends and a group, or maybe, God, just just digging in and leading my family and my home. That's the plan, Lord. So I ask you to bless this church. I pray for a continued outpouring and a continued healthy growth of souls and salvation of people who are being abundantly filled by who you are. I declare right now, that goodness and mercy will follow them all the days of their lives and they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you all. Thank you guys for letting me share the word with you today.